Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Total Italian Football Podcast for Match Day 21 of Serie A, sort of. I am Ewan Burns. I'm joined by Kevin Poshelski. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, I'm just getting to grips with some some new headphones, hopefully. <laughs> There's either better or worse sound quality from me uh, than usual, but I imagine no better opinions. So <laughs> there you go, everybody. You've you've been away. You're feeling refreshed. This is your first one back, isn't it? You're feeling refreshed. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're feeling refreshed. I think um, after a few drinks yesterday in Liverpool, I think we we had our first um, proper sleep last night. So hopefully yeah. that means the end of the jet lag uh, after being in the Dominican Republic. So I don't feel too bad for me. Anybody listening uh, for the reasons I've been away. How long was that flight? Uh, around eight hours, if it's like half an hour less on the way back. A certified whopper, but somewhere that is further to fly to from where I'm sat is Australia, and that's where Vito is. How are you? I'm good, Ewan. I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. I've, I've had a, a relatively relaxed day. Uh, I, I had a decent sleep, actually, like in, in terms oh, of the, the, the length of the sleep, um, <laughs> which was very much needed. But hey, there's football to talk about, and there's a weird amount of it. There's there's been six games, um, and then you can have the other four games of match day twenty one, if you're willing to wait until February fourteenth and the twenty second, and then the twenty eighth, which is when those games will be played. Um, so we're not quite doing things like player of the week and team of the week on the website because it's not all done yet. Um, and it won't be for some time. Obviously, the the reasoning is the Super Copper in all of its glory is currently ongoing, I suppose. Um, out in Saudi Arabia, semi-finals have happened. So four teams being away for that. Obviously, they had teams to play. So then you've got eight teams. Um, and you chuck in European commitments on those teams. And the scheduling means that we have to wait a very long time in the context until those games can be played. Um, incidentally, Supercopa, if anyone, if it's passed anyone by, which should be fair enough, uh, Napoli beat Fiorentina 3-0 and Inter beat Lazio 3-0 in the semi-final. So you've got a Napoli Inter final on Monday night, which is 8 o'clock Central European time. Um, so there you go. You can enjoy that if you're that way inclined. Kev, I believe you might watch those games. Was any of it any good? Um, sadly not. No, I think um, it might have passed the Saudi Arabian fans by, as well as those <laughs> in mainland Europe. And um, there's there's always that risk when you ch- choose to uh, take the money, shall we say, and uh, and go somewhere like Saudi Arabia. Unfortunately, um, I was somewhat scathing on social media because we have ended up with what we always have had for the Super Copper, which is your Coppa Italia winners and your your champions from the previous season despite mm. Syria moving to a four team format. But it, you know, the semi finals don't look like they were they were that well attended by um the fans and actually Fiorentina and Lazio, who were the two losing semi finalists, didn't look like they wanted to be there really. They were quite comfortable wins for both Inter and Napoli. So um I'm hoping for tomorrow night uh to get a better contest between the two when a trophy is actually on offer, even with um it probably being scarce from uh actual Italian fan perspective. I don't imagine too many are travelling, but there you go. I don't know where within 
Saudi Arabia, these games have been happening and where the Spanish ones happened. But it feels like the Italian one was never really going to get off the ground because it, it came after the Spanish one, which contained Real Madrid and Barcelona. And let's not kid ourselves, the, the sort of wider football community is much more interested generally in Real Madrid and Barcelona. And if you paid to go and watch one or two of their games in their Supercopa, you might not decide to also go and watch Napoli versus Fiorentina. It's just not really going to happen. But anyway. yeah, well, it, yeah, well, it's in the capital in Riyadh, so I imagine that's probably where they played it. But um, because my interest in it was lacking as well, I haven't looked into how they actually came up with the four teams because I, I, I expected the top four uh, to be in the competition because Inter had obviously finished in the top four and won the Coppa Italia. So I don't quite understand where the Fiorentina come into it, but there you go. Who knows? Just, weren't they finalists? I think it's Coppa Italia finalists. Ah, the Spanish one was um, Barcelona as league winners, Real Madrid as Copa del Rey winners, Osasuna as Copa del Rey finalists, and Atleti as, I think, third in La Liga. Or did they come second in the end? I don't know. But you know what I mean? One of yeah. Real Madrid's places. Oh, no, um, there, was some, there was some way they scheduled it so it was most likely to get Real Madrid Barcelona in the finals yeah. um, that, that was just that was just devalued the competition I don't know if it, you know Syria has done that and it, or they'll you'll figure she or whoever will decide to do that but um, we'll see uh, let's not try and get in their brains Peter I think ultimately you know we can talk about the scheduling and all that and the teams in it but uh, ultimately I just think, you know, the Supercopa should be a pre-season game, you know, just before the start of the season. You know, it might seem a bit traditional, but I think playing this game in the middle of the season is absurd. And you've seen that with this round that we've got now, match day 21, it has to be stretched out until the end of February because a few of those teams have commitments um, in Europe. Yeah, the, the last thing I'll add on this, just before we get on to actual Syria action, is that you do have this because as I was writing the couple of pieces that went up on the on the site, you're writing about the 2023 Super Copper and they're playing it in 2024, yeah, and it tough. just feels it feels very very strange. And you sort of second guess, am I am I writing on the 2023 edition or is, are we the 2024 edition? But yeah, as Vito says, I think it should just be before the season because it, it's placed as a Place to the point in the in the in the in this campaign where it should be more competitive, whereas it isn't. And actually, so put it at the start of the season when teams are still finding their fitness, and it's a glorified friendly for for most. Yeah, well, let's well not fully ignore it, I suppose, but let's talk about slightly more interesting action. Um, Roma two, Verona one, which was Daniele De Rossi's first game in charge. Udinese two. Milan 3, and there was various things to talk about from that game. Um, Frosinone 3, Calorie 1, Empoli 3, Monza 0. I was quite surprised, and the way it happened. Um, Savantana 1, Genoa 2, and the game that's just ended was Lecce 0, Juventus 3. Um, just for the sake of it, the, the games that we're talking about that are being stretched into February are Bologna versus Fiorentina. Torino versus Lazio, Sassuolo versus Napoli, and Inter versus Atalanta. Nearly said Lazio. Um, I think we have to start 
in Udine. Um, I think we probably would, regardless of the thing. Um, but also, we're going to talk about the thing first, because uh, in the first half of this game, um, Manjan, Milan's goalkeeper, appeared to basically start making his way off the pitch. Um, and then it became everybody coming off the pitch, slash to the side of the pitch. And basically, he was getting emotionally abused by the fans behind him. He said after the game, he went to get the ball, then he heard people call him monkey, but he didn't say anything. Then they did it again, and he asked the bench for help. Then I, um, then I said that you can't play football like that. That's his words. These are things that need to be said. They are ignorant people. The fan comes to the stadium to cheer, maybe to whistle, but these things shouldn't happen. Um, it certainly seemed that from his fellow Milan players and the bench and everything, he, it certainly looked like he got the immediate support that he needed and everything. Um, the sort of fallout so far, um, Udinese have obviously stated their intent to punish those involved and you know work out who it was, etc. Um, Kev, I'll let you come in before I say the other thing I'm going to say. Yeah, just because I had a question because I wasn't I wasn't around to watch this on Saturday night, and um, off you know outside of this um, this podcast we we spoke about about this and and the fact that it was it was it was um, missing from the Syria sort of highlights coverage. So a couple of things when, when it, it popped up on my phone last night, the first first thought I had you know it's very much a bit of that cliched, not that type of player. It kind of felt like. Udine it isn't the sort of fans I would associate with this being, you know, um, common. And but then also it's like they were they were leading at one stage. So I just wondered where this came in the match. Would you think if you're if you're if you're ignorant and horrible enough to do this, even when you're winning, <laughs> somehow feels you know even worse. It's like you know why you know if they were if they were two one down, the fans are angry. Still, no, never um, allowing this sort of behaviour. But I just thought to myself, like, yeah. So I was trying to work out where it actually happened in the in the game. So I don't know if you've still got that because I've sprung that on you. Um, I didn't see it live because I was busy. But um, it was in the first half, and Udinese only equalised in the forty-second minute. So I'm pretty sure it was when Milan were one 0 up. Okay. Um, which I'm loath to say makes sense, but you know what I mean. You know they they were losing at the time. Um, the one of the things that I found odd from this is the um, the mayor of Udine is now. This is all obviously coming from the right place, um, but he's he's offered Mike Manian um, honorary citizenship. Oh yeah, freedom of the city. Same same thing, which. You know, like like I say, definitely obviously comes from the right place, but it feels seems a bit odd. Um, the other thing is that he's he's invited um, Manyan to come back to Udine with a strong message to teach kids with his personal experience of what he has experienced and everything. Um, which it, to me that maybe I'm sort of thinking it the wrong way, but that that just feels a bit like putting the Owners back on the person who has been been abused in terms of you know do, do you want to come and 
talk to kids in our city about what like he's a professional footballer he just wants to do his job he just wants to go and play football he was like now he's suddenly got unpaid charity work to do that he didn't ask to do obviously he doesn't yeah have and to it shouldn't be it, his job to educate people yeah I, I, I can't quite articulate what i mean but i hope you do get what i mean in the sense that the the the, the, the mayor of Udine isn't being horrible here but it just feels like a slightly unusual way to go about it, at least in a public sense i think you could have that conversation with Manio. because even private. if he come out and gone oh okay we're gonna we're gonna ramp up we're gonna in, we're gonna increase one of the some of the educational classes we do in all our schools because of this issue even then it feels like that's, the point is it shouldn't be happening in 2024 well you know, yeah, you know, yeah you know what i mean and it's like and, and the whole yeah the freedom it is a bit it is a bit bit bizarre but yeah, yeah it, it's that. still better than a politician turning around saying, "Oh, I don't see what the big deal is." Or oh, it's a football match; these things happen. It, it's better than all those sorts of things we've heard before. It's better than that, but it it feels feels a little bit weird. Vito, you want to have a, a general pop? Uh, yeah. Well, firstly, on the mayor's bit, I think that first bit about the whole keys to the city thing, whatnot. I feel that's a little bit tokenistic. Uh, just a brief thing on that. But yeah, with all the nears, it I think it's in incredible that a so-called Udinese fan would actually boo or racially abuse Mignon because Udinese do have a lot of players of colour and they've had quite a lot of them in the last few years. So, you know, um, I think he should actually take a look at his own squad and in some ways he's also disrespecting the team he supports and not just the opponent just because of his skin colour or race. And another thing too, you know, Speaking of irony, I think the great irony is that there's actually fans out there. I mean, they're probably one of the worst supported teams in all of Italy. So it's surprising that they even have fans who can actually shout abuse. Well, I suppose that might make it easier to find out who it was. That's true. The people it was. There wouldn't um, be many to find. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not many to dig through. Um, but yeah, I think, I think tokenistic is perhaps the right word for... Um, the freedom of the city thing. Um, I don't know how frequently Manion finds himself visiting you. I imagine it's once a year, um, depending on cup ties. Um, but yeah, that happened, and it happens at some point every season, usually more than once, and we discuss it each time because um, we should discuss it each time, which is why we are. But it gets really tiring really fast. Um, and yeah, it's it's another example. I mean, you talk about having players of colour in the team, but with, you know, lots of teams that that have had fans that have done this have had players. Yeah, you know, it's it's an international game. There's players of colour in every team. It it doesn't seem I think to. The thing with that in. is the fan. The fans sort of just hide. They they hide that contempt for the players that operate on their own team because they probably love their club so much, and then it comes out in stupid outbursts like this when. They feel it's acceptable to to shout something like that at an opposing player. Um, I think there's probably a, a, a few people like that that we've all come across in, in in our lives that you know you 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 sense those undertones just by their behaviour, and then it you know and then well why it comes out who knows but um, they're certainly not growing as individuals. Yeah, and there's a lot of people who sort of feel that they gain a lot of power from being in a crowd um and it makes you say things that you, you that they would never say you, you think they'd never say in day-to-day -day life but as soon as you're in a crowd it's 
suddenly a very different story. Um, but yeah, Man- Manian certainly seems to be the sort of player that is, he- he's been immediately very vocal. Obviously, he took the difficult decision himself to walk off. It's not easy to do that and draw attention to something that that makes you be very much the centre of attention. Um, but he's been very vocal afterwards um, and he's had support from all manner of uh, people in the football world and clubs, etc. Um, but yeah, the game itself um, was Udinese 2, Napoli, uh, Napoli uh, Milan 3. And this was a good one in terms of the fact that up until the 83rd minute, it was 2-1 to Udinese. Um, Florian Tovan inexplicably is still doing the odd goal, which I just forget he exists. Um, and then he just crops up with a few goals every now and then. Samanzic scored for Udinese. There's a reason why there's lots of teams chasing him. Um, but Vito, these late goals, is this kind of a, a sign that Milan have turned something of a corner now? Or is it the fact they needed late goals a bit worrying in itself? Mm. No, I don't think of it as a worrying bit. I think the most worrying bit is that they've had so many injuries throughout the course of the season and we've only just gone over the halfway mark. Speaking in generalities, I think, you know, to turn things around on the road, I think it shows that they've got a little bit more character than first thought. And, you know, to win it late shows that they'll play to the final whistle. They're not just going to cave in. So that's a good attitude from that aspect. And if we talk about just the form in the last few weeks, I have seen some improvement in the game, which is great to see. They seem to have a bit more of a game plan, a style of play towards them. So I think they are growing a bit better in general as a team. And, you know, even when things aren't going their way, like in this game, they showed that they were able to sort of turn things around. And, yeah, that will put them in a good position as the season progresses. Kev, their form now is is in line pretty much with, with Inter and Juve um, over the past seven or eight games, whatever it is. Do you think they can actually close that gap and get into the conversation or is, does, it, does it still feel a bit like they are just the most third-place team there's ever been? Yeah, and, and partly because it feels like um, the consistency of Juve and Inter aren't going to drop enough for Milan to, to catch them. Um, Milan are what six points behind into, but obviously play one more one game more. That will probably be nine, and it, it just feels that they're not they're not in the conversation because that's too bigger bigger jump to make because it doesn't look like um, that their sort of injury injury issues will be completely resolved before you know with a decent chunk of the season left. So they're going to keep almost saving themselves. I know they're sort of four consecutive wins now. I think I think they probably because they might now look at the um Europa League as a more sort of realistic target for for getting a you know, having a bit of a run or getting a trophy that, that might take their eye off the ball. I know Inter have still got Champions League but, you know, they're in the they're in the real chance of sort of walking the league. So I think I think Milan is still going to sort of float around in that third position, I think. And like you say, look as destined to finish third as anybody because of what's behind them. Yeah, the Europa League is a, is a factor that's easy to forget. And it's the sort of tournament where you can sort of tell yourself you're not taking it as seriously, but you you, you don't 
almost no team strolls through Europa League knockout games. They are they're tough games, often against teams that it's the main thing in their season, perhaps. And you know that they've got um, they've got uh, Stadarin, and they um, and they're currently tenth in Liga. So you know they're they're not they're not going to go down, but they they don't look anywhere near like they're going to be getting into European football next season. That could very much be they will gear everything up their team selections and things for that tie. Um, and it can it can catch teams like me in an off guard in that situation. It feels like a competition where uh, defense matters less than sort of Champions League, where they're sort of narrower games or closer games. And actually, Milan, the, the one thing that I suppose is a plus point for them at the moment is that where they've been hit injury wise has largely been at the you know the defensive sort of side of the game. If Loftus Loftus Cheek can keep himself with fit will have doubts about but you've got um Okafor who scored the the winner this weekend Jaguazi before he went off to the Af- AFCON was looking like he was going to be sort of finding some form so actually at the, at the top end of the pitch I think they're they're they're, they're showing signs of improvement Liao's having a, a, a bad season so I think that will stand them in good stead in Europe and potentially sort of keep seeing them win games like they've done this weekend because they'll they'll be stronger at that end of the pitch than others could um, Vito could Okafor be quite an important player in the second half of the season because he's he's actually missed a fair chunk for injury already this season. But when he has played, he's been he's, he's looked good and he's got he's got four league goals. Which for a player that you could like, I almost forgot that they'd signed him because he had this injury and disappeared for a little bit, and most of his minutes have been from the bench. Um, there, yeah, there is kind of signs that. If they can get a run of games out of him, he could be quite an important player. I think he can add something to the team. He wasn't brought in to be an at an out striker, but with the goals that he has scored, it seems like he's the kind of player that knows how to get into the right positions. So he has that attribute about him. Uh, in the general scheme of things, they do have Giroud as their first choice striker, but as we've mentioned multiple times, he is an age, and you can only wonder how long his body can last. Jovic has had his patches in form, but you know he's not always consistent. So Okafor to be that third centre-forward is a handy option, and he can play wide, so that's also beneficial too. A player like him will be of help because you know Rafa Leal, he's not in the best form this season. So even if Rafa Leal is not scoring goals or creating them, Milan do need other avenues and, you know, to have Pulisic, um, you know, like I mentioned, Jovic and Giroud, and then you add Okafor to the picture. Then, of course, after the African Cup of Nations, Chukwezi will come back. So I think in the second half of the season, if they get to balance both Serie A and the Europa League, uh, Okafor and everyone else in the attack can make a difference. Yeah, he's missed, according to transfer marks anyway, he's missed... 13 games this season for injury um, but has got four league goals which I, I think is a decent tally um, enough of them though let's go and have a little look at where should we go let's go to Juve for the sake of it having just happened and the fact that oh, no, someone, someone went top this weekend so <laughs> yeah. Yeah, probably, probably the best place to go yeah they've gone top but also not really in the mm-hmm. thanks to the stupidity that we discussed earlier, um, 
but yes, you are right there. You they are top. Um, they have hauled Inter in and overtaken them, and maybe that's how it will stay. Who knows? They are one point ahead of Inter, obviously having played one game more. Um, they won three nil away at Lecce this evening, which is a, a nice and convincing win. How convincing did it feel to you, Vita? I thought it was rather convincing, to be honest. Juventus had most of the ball, created most of the chances, and um, Lovic ultimately made the difference with those two goals. When I saw Lecce and the way they played, they didn't offer much of a counter-attacking threat, and they were just happy to sit back and defend. Uh, Falcone, the goalkeeper, probably only had to make one or two saves per game, but... Um, yeah, it didn't look like the Salentini offered much of a threat to Juventus. So Juventus were happy to just pass the ball around and then they took their chances in the second half with Bremer sealing the victory with a header. Yeah, Vlavic, how I, I'm firmly of the opinion that Lautaro Martinez has already won the Capacanonieri. Like, that's done. Um, I think I can't have any more goals he's got than the next guy, but he's got like eight more than whoever's next or he did by last weekend. Um, but do you think Flavich can get close? He seems to he seems to have hit a decent patch now after a pretty pretty miserable first half of the season, really, by his own standards. Yeah, and he takes he takes penalty to Juve, which Lautaro doesn't at Inter, and also there feels a bit like um, Vlavich is. Very much, I know it is the same in the sense of Martinez Inter, but very much the focal point of that attack that everything is going to go through him. That almost Allegri is funneling everything up to to Vlaovic in a way, um, as opposed to there it feels like a little bit more of a fluid attack on the Inter side. So um, he's he's clearly got the talent to, and I don't know whether he'll be looking to to get away. Obviously they they. We're tying him up to a, another new deal, but lots of those are, are often just to give the, the club security if they, they do look to offload him to one of the more uh, financially well-off clubs this summer. Um, but he's got a he's got a swagger about him at the moment that looks like he's got, if not the title, but certainly a you know maybe a personal goal uh, in him to hit a hit a target or get close to Martinez. So I think I think he can do it. Because um, I think we're also all still expecting Martinez to have his little bit of a, a sort of dip, which hasn't come yet this season. Mm, um, however, if it comes, yeah, and if it comes much later in the season, it's going to probably really um, impact Inter. Unless that he doesn't would, have that one, would be wouldn't it? Mm. If they manage to throw away in, in that manner, um, uh, as Rita informs me, he's he's now seven behind Latar after these two goals, um, with Latar having obviously played. Well, or Latar's team having played a game less. Um, should also say that that this was Allegri's 300th win in Serie A, which is quite something. He's only now the third coach in history to have done that. Um, you can see where I'm going with this. Who are the other two, Vita? <laughs> um, I'm going to guess um, Giovanni Trapattoni. Correct. And... I might regret this next choice. Um, Nareo Rocco. Correct. Ooh. I was deciding um, between him and Lippi, but lucky I went Rocco. But Rocco coached <laughs> for like 30 years, so that explains it. Let's get really deaf. How, how many wins have they got? 
Pardon? <laughs> Let's get really daft. How many wins have they got? Uh, then you've got me stumped. Trafford's <laughs> uh, got 352, and Nereo has got 302. Kev, oh. you made a little noise. Uh, I, I might have got Trapatoni because I would have just guessed him or Lippy. I would not have got Rocco. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Rocky, yeah. Um, but yeah, that is, you know, we, 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 Allegri is someone who grabs headlines constantly and it's often due to criticism of style or whatever, but that is nonetheless some achievement and he's doing a very good job this season. Um, even if people don't find it that interesting, because partly why I asked that first question to you, Vito, about whether it was convincing or not, is that I had this game on and even when Juve win 3 0, it, it still feels so mechanical. And it's um but like, it's 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 not a criticism as such, because like that they've gone away and won three nil against a mid table side. That's that's all that's it's more than you can ask for, generally speaking, for most football fans. Um but they oh, looking, just don't looking excited, at the pass yeah. <laughs> oh look, looking at the passing patterns and all that. Um, it does feel mechanical because it's about, you know, just having the right positioning and keeping the passing simple. You're not going to see a lot of sort of dazzling passing patterns or party tricks or things like that. You know, even Kenan Yildiz, he didn't have his um, best performance so far, even though he was involved in the first goal. But usually in the short time he's played, he's someone that can excite. Uh, Federico Chiesa didn't play in this game and, He's someone that's capable of beating a few players and performing a few tricks on his own. So you've got that aspect about Juventus's play. But, yeah, at least they had the attacking mindset that they played till the final whistle. They weren't just happy to sit on that first goal like you would expect from a typical Max Allegri team. Indeed. Roma, it's time for... I don't think we've actually discussed Mourinho's sacking. Um, I think we were going to do a bonus podcast, but then it calendars did not allow um so for anyone who doesn't know Mourinho got sacked um and now Daniele De Rossi is in charge I think I tweeted as much but as as a man who supports Manchester United and saw Mourinho get sacked from there and then get replaced by a, a fan favorite with minimal managerial experience this does feel a bit weird because they replaced him right with uh, Daniele De Rossi who whose experience is mostly at Spal, where was it three wins in 18, I believe? Um, it's not great, is it? Didn't last very long, but he's now got the keys to Rome if he didn't have them already. Um, and they won, they beat Verona 2 1. Um, they were 2 0 up at half time, it was all all dancing and singing. Um, second half was a very different story though, because um, Verona missed a penalty. Milan Juric whacked a penalty very, very high. They had a goal ruled out that was very soft. Um, I would say at the same time, I don't think the penalty was one, so perhaps they evened out. Um, Follerincio scored with 15 minutes to go, which is what made it very, very nervy. Um, if anyone saw Bebe's long range free kick in the Africa Cup of the Nations for, um, Cape Verde, it was a very similar, just a shot from extremely far out that caught the keeper so off guard that they ended up kind of palming it into their own side netting. Um, it wasn't a great one for Rui Patricia. But they won, Kev. Surely it's all fine now, isn't it? Because you know everyone's happy again and they won. Well, um, 
remind me how Solskjaer did when he took over and had his first game. For, uh, I'm assuming United won that, did they? We won five-one away at Cardiff. Um, which, there you uh, go. Doesn't, doesn't just happen. No, yeah. no. Um, clearly, the influence of the you know the new arrival. Um, I don't know with with Roma. It feels it feels somewhat harsh that Mourinho got sacked. But then he's been sacked probably because his his previous his, his you know his previous record and his personality and everything probably want they wanted that to kind of lift the collection of players he's got there to be at least I know they are competing for Champions League because we've got this massive gap now between Milan and Fiorentina in fourth place, but you know he was probably supposed to give them that that ten percent and they were no doubt um paying him handsomely for it uh I, I don't know i don't i don't think they're going to get a great deal of difference from de rossi from now until the end of the season you know it's not as if you know we spoke at the start of the season when i think they'd lost their first three and it was quite amusing that them and lazio were both sort of down at the the lower reaches of the the standings but you know they they pulled themselves away from that and they were just going to muddle on and they, they would have still been in for a, with a shout of Champions League qualification, I think, this year, even under Mourinho. So you wonder if it was more about he was getting under the skin of people there or he, he'd started to attract more headlines himself, I think, in recent months, which maybe the ownership have taken umbrage with. I don't, you know, I don't know about De Rossi. He's got an awful record at Spau. And also there's something about his temperament watching him on the pitch that makes me wonder... How good he'll be! I think I had the same fears over Gattuso, and good, but Gattuso's, you know, coaching record has been average, probably. But it's, you know, it's not, it's not as terrible as I expected it to be. I don't think. In the case of De Rossi, I could see why there are a lot of queries as in regards to him possibly being a good enough replacement for Mourinho, and if he should have been brought in the first place. Uh, for a more positive spin on it, I see that being a hometown legend, a uh, former star of the club, I think he'll add something a little bit different for the, rocker, for the locker room. Um, I don't think tactically he's going to add too much, but I think he should just, yeah, focus on just keeping the players motivated, keep them as happy as they can be. And as I mentioned, being a Roman, I think he'll teach these newer players, especially the foreign ones, you know, what it really means to play for Roma, you know, such a... Uh, a club, you know, that's based in one of the most historical cities known to man and a very passionate city too, passionate fan base. So I think from that aspect, if he can work on things from a man management perspective, I think that might help them get results because, yeah, I think based on that spell spell, he wouldn't offer much in terms of a playing philosophy or, or in terms of tactical nows. You don't really connect Mourinho with not being able to inspire players, but you know, after a couple of years, if some of them had lost their sort of willingness to sort of follow him, um, De Rossi is probably someone that they're they're going to come in, they're going to respect. He's been out of the game now for what four or five years. That some of them even probably played against him and respect him from that aspect as well. So, um, you know, if, if that's the issue, if it's the players coming together and all moving in the same direction and they got fed up with Mourinho's approach, then it might work. That's the, you know, I, I make that 
Solskjaer comparison in a jokey sense, but there is seriousness to it in the sense that Solskjaer didn't go into Manchester United and tactically revolutionise the team. It, it was rebuilding some belief in certain individuals who seem to have lost their way. And you could say that almost everyone in this Roma team seemed to have lost the way. It felt like everyone was playing with their heads down. And you'd think the Rossi's brief, surely, for, for the rest of the season has just got to be, you know, improve the general atmosphere of the team because everything felt extremely down all the time. And that then feeds into the style of play. And they have to get some form of European football. Like they need to finish seven upwards as a as a minimum. Otherwise, yeah, surely he's not going to carry on, Kev. Yeah, I think the issue with United was that at, at eventually they they did need some tactical reinvention, at least uh, you know extra tactical. Yeah, it only gets you so far. So then Roman need to not fall into that trap if De Rossi has a really good end to the season. Actually, remember that. It's a short-term fix, if you like. That, that, the worst thing that probably, well, maybe not the worst thing, but something that could befall them this year is that he, he lifts Roma into fourth place. They give him a long three-year contract and then you have two years where they, you know, flirt on the edge of Champions League qualification again and then they get a, they've got to sack him and get somebody else in and they've wasted two years of, you know, what could have been yeah. what happens this summer. So wait and see, I suppose. Even if they go on a... 10-game winning run now. There shouldn't be any contracts getting handed out until the summer, regardless. Because there's been, you know, social being won, but there's lots of examples of that happening where new coaches come in and get given a contract too quickly. Um, but somewhere else that there's a new coach, and obviously it went under the radar a bit more because it happened the day before or the same day, is Mourinho getting sacked and Duros coming in. Um, Andres Oli is now gone again from Empley. Um, so they are now on to coach number th- three. Yeah, three for the season. Um, and it's David Enigla. He's come in um, from the conveyor belt and has immediately made them wonderful because they've beaten Monza. They won 3-0. And Zukowski, who I must admit, he's the sort of player I didn't realise that he'd ever not I think of him as an empty player. I didn't realise he wasn't even there anymore. Um, but he actually just arrived this month on loan from Spezia. Um, he's been at Empoli in the past. Um, he got a hat-trick, one of which was very, very lovely. Um, Kev, you've, you've had to write for him because we, we, we've got him ready, not write for him, write about him. Um, cause we've got him ready as our player of the week for this match day, but we can't do anything about it until, <laughs> until February. How good was he? Yeah, he's, it's you know it's it's not often sort of jobbing professional footballers then suddenly pop up with a with a hat trick. Um, mm. The f- the first very much was was one of technical brilliance because anybody who's old enough or has seen repeats of the Zinedine Zidane uh, Champions League final goal from 2002, the ball was dropping from a, for a from a similar height, and while uh, Zhukovsky didn't hit it at the same angle at sort of waist height he waited for it to be sort of a couple of feet off of the floor um it was it was from the edge of the box and sort of flew past the goalkeeper so that was a really lovely strike and then he 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 made his own luck really um with the other two goals because maybe something they've been lacking this year because like you say he's only just he's only just joined and he scored last week in the uh in the 2-1 defeat to Hellas Verona as well 
Um, he, he seems to have a great knack of sort of making late runs into the, the box and just got kind of lucky with a couple. There was a shot that deflected off the goalkeeper. Again, it went up into that sort of high area and he sort of met it with his head and sort of just looped over the goalkeeper and was uh, somewhat fortunate. It sort of grazed the bottom of the crossbar as it as it went in. And late in the second half, he did something similar where a low cross went in. It was a very poor um, attempted clearance from the Monza defender. And he sort of run in, took a touch and sort of swept it past the goalkeeper with his left foot. So um, they're, what, two points off safety now, Empoli, um, certainly within touch and distance of Cagliari. Uh, but if it's lack of goals that have put them in the position they are, then maybe he'll get a few. He's not looking at his statistics because I you know, had to check if he was this wonderful attacking goal scorer because I didn't know too much about him other than knocking around Empoli. Um, I think he scored six goals in his last sort of full Serie A season with, with Empoli. But other than that, the few appearances he had for Fiorentina and Spezia, he, he never scored at all. So um, maybe maybe this is it. He's had his purple patch now. He won't score again, but... Uh, fair play to Lad for this weekend, and um, rightly uh, is the current, shall we say, flower of the week. <laughs> um, yeah, that bottom of the table is is sort of did this win for Empoli does make it more interesting because you've now got you could even go from Lecce in 14th if you like, or on 21, and then Empoli in 19th or on 16, so that's only five points, um, and. Verona are their 18th, and I would point out that this month so far they've lost Cyril and Gonge and Josh Doy, um, which is two two of their best players basically. Um, so the manner in which they go about replacing them is going to be very important because losing two players like that while you're in the bottom three never looks particularly good. Um, Peter, I heard you mumbling along to the highlights of Frosinone 3, Cagliari 1. Would you like to tell me what happened there? Well, at the, st- at the start of that game, uh, it was the Isolani that took the lead. They managed to uh, score first. Uh, the score of that goal was Ibrahim Sulemana, and it was a beautiful volley from just inside the box. But then um, Frosinone had a goal disallowed on the stroke of half-time. Only for in the second half, they managed to score three goals. They made the comeback. So Mazzitelli scored with a lovely header. Sule made it 2-1 to the Canarini with a beautiful free kick. And then to seal the win, Caio uh, Jorge, the Brazilian striker alone from Juventus, you know, like Sule, he um, he scored from close range. So, yeah, much-needed win for Frosinone, especially since they had a bit of a slump themselves. So at least that keeps them you know, around the mid-table area and away from the drop. That's the first win in the league since the 26th of November, um, which is a bit barren. Um, last game to discuss, Lernitana 1, Genoa 2. Kev, you mentioned something, a, a different type of crowd trouble that happened in this game in relation to Rotegi, who scored for Genoa. Would you care to explain? Yeah, so... Um... Salerni Atana went 1-0 up and then in, like, in the first couple of minutes and then seemed to not, not do anything really, just waited for, for Genoa to equalise. And when Rotegi finally equalised with a lovely uh, sort of left foot shot that he spanked past the goalkeeper, 
don't use spank very often. I, don't know why I went spank. And um, and then uh, objects began being hurled uh, in his general direction. Uh, and the one that made contact was apparently a a piece of uh, food, whether it was directly from the Zelanatana kiosk, who knows? Um, which Kevin Strootman unwrapped and took a bite of. Um, but then the referee was also seen um, removing it's a rock. Yeah, well, I suppose because it was wrapped, uh, you know, I'd have more confidence in sort of biting it, you know. Um, no, it can't possibly have been tampered with if it's yeah, um, wrapped in Watson foil. Yeah, otherwise it's just a, a more <laughs> the question of how you rate the quality of food that you generally purchase at football grounds. Because <laughs> you know, they yeah. sometimes can uh, you know, have their own health warning. Um, but yeah, the, the rock, uh, it looked, I don't know, about golf ball size. Um, the, the image that I saw of this, if that was the image, because I saw a still image talking about this happening. But yeah, just you've got to yeah. be a special oh. type of pillar, haven't you? Yeah, and to also yeah, throw a rock from the sands. Yeah, and again, I don't know. This shouldn't make any difference whatsoever, but they're only equalised. You know, that was the equalised. <laughs> that was the, the equaliser. It's like, how mad are you at the equaliser? Yeah. Um, God knows what they threw when they won. Yeah, well, the well the the winning goal, which was a penalty from Goodmanson, um, mm. the 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 handball was hilarious. Um, whole grand piano came down from the stands. It's um, <laughs> well, no, it was more uh, the the player attempted to head it and just sort of completely missed the flight of his of the ball, so he sort of had his arm out right, <laughs> and it just hit his elbow. <laughs> it was like, oh, he, I did see, yeah, it's it was like, it? and it was like, oh, you felt, yeah, you felt it. It was, it was still just, it was just silly. That, um, that happened like that, um, but he looked so shocked, and it was just completely he wasn't paying attention. Um, yep, yeah, it was silly. Um, those are our games. You can have more of them next weekend, um, which is match day twenty-two, and that's a that's a proper one. That that's a an old-fashioned one that spans from Friday to Monday. I say old-fashioned. I just mean it's regular. Um, Friday night game, Calgary Torino, and then you've got various games of interest. Milan Bologna, that's quite interesting. Lazio Napoli, Fiorentina Inter. So th- three good ones there. And then Salernitana versus Roma on the Monday night to close proceedings. Reminder to go to total-italianfootball.com to read various match reports, various things about the table. Um, there'll be the some coverage from Kev on the Supercopper final um, when that takes place. There's a feature from Ali Bay about Stefano Pioli and his keeping of his job and what comes next. Um, I did something about Serie A's academies because Atalanta have made way more money from their academy in the past 10 years than other Italian clubs. There's lots of figures in there for you to get your teeth into. Um, and also patreon.com forward slash total Italian football is where you can find WSRF Minlay podcast from Connor and myself. There will be some sort of other bonus podcast on there, perhaps about the Super Cup final, um, you know, TBC on there as well. Two year, five year, 10 year it is. If you're feeling nice, you can go for one of the bigger ones. But yes, I think that'll do. Has anyone else got anything else they want to say? They both shook their heads at me, folks. Kev, you can say goodbye there. 
Uh, goodbye, everybody. Peter, you may also say goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.